So, hi. Each night during our retreat, our custom will be to have a talk at this time. And I have the privilege of giving the first one. In my wider life, I have the privilege of um, being in something like a young adults retreat all the time. I teach at a university where I teach a mindfulness meditation class. And um, it's for credit, but it's a real meditation class. We do a silent retreat as part of the class, and we meet every week. And I really love my job. I love being able to do that in a more or less secular way in a state university. And often I'm giving talks both in that class and in other contexts about mindfulness, meditation, what it is, what's the point, and so forth. And tonight I would like to uh, talk about kind of the basics of mindfulness. And if there's a title, the title would be The Simpler the Better, What Getting into a Mindfulness Meditation Retreat is All About. I guess the title could be simpler. (laughs) (laughs) So let's begin with awareness. We are familiar with awareness from our own direct experience. Awareness has been present for each of us ever since we were children, moment after moment after moment, in every situation in which we've been conscious. The first day of the first grade, I don't know what you were doing, but I'm pretty sure you were conscious. You were aware. You didn't think about being aware, but you were aware. The second day of first grade, every day we've lived, we've been aware. This is an utterly mundane fact about human beings, and yet it also is a startling reality. We do not have to work in any way to be aware, except perhaps in some situations where we have to struggle to stay awake when we're very tired or perhaps drunk or coming out of a coma or maybe on the verge of death itself. I don't know. But in normal situations, we do not struggle to conjure up awareness. It is arising naturally. We could imagine someone showing up here and being like confused about what does it mean to be aware? And I don't know, maybe it was as a robot or um, what are they? The uh, zombies. (laughs) Maybe it's a zombie. And they're not aware, right? Are they or not? They act, they interact, they talk, but there's no conscious awareness. And when that day comes, Deborah will have special sessions (laughs) to like teach people how to conjure, teach these beings how to conjure up awareness. <clears throat> but for us, as normal, well, I assume for all of us, as normal human beings, we don't have to try to be aware. It just goes with the skin, the nerves, the brain, the normal human body. Given a normal human body fit for awareness, (coughs) awareness just arises naturally, as do diverse objects 
of awareness. Physical sensations, tastes, smells, sounds, the feeling of pleasure, the feeling of pain, emotions, thoughts. It is really easy to be aware. And any meditation method begins with this ordinary awareness. There's no need to do something special to get ready, which means that if for some reason one feels drawn to meditation, and apparently for some reason all of you have been, then there's no need to procrastinate. Meditation generally involves the structured cultivation of skills related to awareness. There are dozens of methods of meditation. The meditative skills and the methods do not create awareness itself, of course, but they can bring about deeper ways of being aware. And this process can be extraordinarily interesting and rewarding. Our ordinary awareness, the thing that we've had all along, is the key to any sort of development or refinement. And from beginning to end, one never ever needs to struggle directly to create something special. The refinements that can arise, arise just as naturally as does ordinary awareness when the conditions are right for them. The mind, for example, can calm down without going blank or numb. This calming down is grounded first and foremost in our bodies. As Dory said this morning in introducing the walking meditation, we are not leaving our bodies, we're coming into our bodies. Meditation practices involve making effort in a structured way to establish conditions for calming down, for opening of the heart, and for many other things. One never struggles to create something special, but all the same, there is work to be done. There is a large role for effort in giving the mind and heart a chance to open and grow. So one thing I would like to do, and we'll be doing this more this week, is making clear um, these points about effort. One key idea at the core of mindfulness practice is the idea of connecting with current experience. We've been doing this all day, one way or another, but let's approach it now from another angle. Notice what you can notice right now in your hands. You may or may not have done this before. Um, Even as I'm talking, just let your attention be partly on my words and partly just what you can notice right now in your hands and fingers. We can be aware of the raw feel, we might say, the raw feel of whatever may be there, tingling, vibration, warmth, and so forth. These sensations may be subtle. There may be no particular concept that comes to mind. Noticing these sensations, these raw feels, in our hands is not merely thinking about one's hands. It's directly experiencing something, directly being aware of something. We're not necessarily tracking the process using any concepts or thoughts. When we're actually connecting with these sensations, It literally does not matter what happened a few seconds ago or what will happen in a few seconds. Just the awareness of the sensations in one's hands is happening 
in that moment. There might be continuity from moment to moment, similarity in the feel, or it might be shifting some, or it might shift quickly. We can be aware of, we can be aware of these sensations in a way that is independent of conceptual analysis, interpretation, evaluation. And in those moments when we're doing that, we can say that we're connecting with the sensations, connecting directly with the sensations. In principle, we can connect with any and all of the things we are aware of. But it turns out that some are easier than others to connect with and to stay connected with. Physical sensations like the raw feel of the hands and the fingers or the sensations associated with the breath or the sensations in our feet and legs when we're standing and shifting weight and walking. These are among the easiest types of objects of awareness with which to connect. They usually come, not always, but they usually come relatively free of complex thought associations. That is, they don't tend to give rise to much, as much interpretation or thought as do other types of objects of awareness. So contrast the feel of the hands now with what it's like to eat dinner. There are sensations there for sure, but there's a lot more going on in a certain way within the mind. So two points there. One is we definitely can, with practice, learn to connect with more complicated objects of awareness, but some are easier than others. And that, as we'll see in a minute, that's why we give priority to the easier ones. Uh, we do give priority, priority to the easier ones uh, to begin in this sort of practice. The uh, ambient sounds in the environment, when they're not very significant to us, also can be pretty easy to connect with. If they're significant in some way, such as the sound of a lover's voice or music that we really like or really hate um, or television, uh, that can be harder to connect with because lots of associations firing really fast. <coughs> Just as it is easy to be aware, remember that part, it is also easy to connect with sensations happening right now, as one can observe by simply doing it. Mindfulness, or mindful awareness, may be understood simply as remembering to be aware of some part of current experience. That is, remembering to connect with something happening now. So to review so far, I'm a professor. <laughs> To review so far, awareness is easy. Connecting consciously with some part of current experience also is easy. Mindfulness is remembering to stay connected with something actually happening. So there's a question. If mindfulness is remembering to connect, and connecting is easy, just like awareness is easy, then why is it so damn hard <laughs> to do what we've been trying to do today? The reason is that we have mental habits that tend to take us away from the objects we're trying to connect with. So let me explain that. 
there's some danger of my making the simple real complex. So my other teachers have promised to interrupt me with rude comments if I begin doing that. So don't let me down. <laughs> While it is easy to connect for a few seconds or longer with the breath, say, so you're here, okay, let's try to connect with the breath. You can do it for a few seconds, maybe longer. It is not necessarily all that easy to keep doing this for very long. Turning attention to ambient sounds, sensations in the hands, the breath, the feet, the legs. We can probably keep the raw sensations in mind pretty well for a little while. But our attention easily is drawn away by random thoughts or streams of thoughts. And I don't really need to tell you that, right? If we've practiced even for five minutes today, we've been able to observe that. So, for example, <clears throat> I connect with the raw feel of slight tingling in my hands. And then I notice some itching sensations and then warmth. And then there appears the thought that my hands tend to get warm when I'm nervous and sometimes they turn red. <laughs> and then I begin to wonder whether they turned red last night when I was talking with a friend with whom I was having some problems. During those moments, I just shifted very naturally from connecting with the sensations in my hands to thinking about warm hands when nervous, red hands, a meeting last night, a problem with a friend. And obviously, this can happen really fast, and we're all over the place. It's really interesting. I mean, in this context, we can kind of treat it as a problem, but actually, it's quite amazing um, how fast thought is. I shifted from connecting with current experience to thinking about various things, but not connecting directly with the sensations in my hands. I was still awake and aware. I didn't go into a coma, but I wasn't mindful of the sensations because I forgot about connecting with them. This is what it means to get distracted or to get lost in thoughts. Even though it is easy to connect with the physical sensations, quite often it is even easier to get distracted. That's why the cultivation of mindfulness takes practice. <clears throat> Mindful awareness differs from ordinary awareness in the extent to which we are remembering to connect. It's not an all or nothing difference. We don't even need to eliminate distracting thoughts in order to be mindful. There's no switch we're going to find to turn off the thoughts. It seldom helps to fight directly with the momentum of thoughts. I might very well have had the thoughts about the warm hands and the problem with my friend, even while maintaining some connection with the sensations in my hands. <clears throat> One can stay attuned to raw feels in the body, even while hearing these words right now. Mindfulness is not a foreign thing to us. It's a familiar part of ordinary experience. If I ask you to watch my dog for a few minutes while I go into a shop to get coffee, you are able to do that, right? You can remember to pay attention to the dog while I am gone. You don't have to stare blankly at the dog, shutting off everything else. When a friend of yours comes along and you begin gossiping, you still can keep an eye on the dog. Of course, if the conversation becomes engrossing, you may completely forget about the dog, in which case you are still aware <clears throat> you did not pass out, but you did become distracted, you got lost in conversation, and you forgot about the dog. Mindful awareness of the dog differs from ordinary non-dog awareness <laughs> in the degree to which one keeps the dog in focus. <clears throat> I had this, uh, I was thinking about this afternoon, I had this random memory of when I was a kid 
and um, I lived in a place where there were prairie dogs. And someone told me that if you took a string and put a slip knot in it and put it over the hole, the prairie dog hole, then when they poke their head up, you could pull the string and, and catch it. And I actually did this. I have very clear memories of sitting there at this prairie dog hole with a slip knot, slip knotted string, like waiting for a prairie dog to poke his head up. You're like, I have no idea what I was going to do with it. <laughs> and actually, to this day, I have no idea whether that really works. But I was mindful, uh, you know. Speaking of dogs, <laughs> I didn't have a dog. No, none ever appeared. <clears throat> but I, I can remember paying attention, you know, already in case it did. There was mindfulness. In mindfulness meditation, we're not focusing on dogs so much. Rather, it's on some aspect of current, direct experience. In the beginning, turning attention to some of the objects that are easiest to connect with. Ambient sounds, physical sensations in the body, the raw feels. In doing this, there's no need to do anything perfectly. In fact, the idea of perfect connection doesn't make sense to me. Just as dog watching need not be obsessive in order to be done well enough, depending on the dog, it may be enough simply to break up any dog fights that might occur. So also with mindfulness practice, with physical sensations, with the feel of the flow of the breath, it is good enough to stay more or less connected as long as one is putting some effort into actually doing it rather than merely pretending or posing. And there certainly is no need to stay perfectly connected or fully connected. We're just staying somewhat connected pretty well with something happening as the breath takes place. We're not trying to connect with everything that is taking place. Way too much is happening even in one part of the breath, for that idea to make much sense either. In practice, one of the chief difficulties can be accepting the simplicity of this activity. We're turning our attention to something currently happening, remembering to stay connected pretty well. If we're actually connecting with some sensations, then we're indeed doing it well enough. And that is all there is to it. Yet it does take some effort to do this simple task, partly because we are so accustomed to having so much more complexity in play. Our minds are accustomed to more complex sorts of tasks. So we tend to seek more stimulation or more activity than is necessary or useful here. So one part of the effort we make is impatiently allowing the simple attention to ordinary sensations be enough stimulation and action for the time being, even given all the desires, to-do lists, and questions that may, may be clamoring for our attention. Here, there's an element of trust just in oneself in the situation, just trusting that doing this minimal, simple activity is enough. And as we do it, the trust can build as we see what happens. Mindfulness can be difficult because it cuts against the grain of ordinary tendencies to be distracted. Our minds ceaselessly, creatively, rationally, and at times cunningly generate a wide, array, wide array of disconnected options. Our attention tends to be on those distant options. 
we give priority to the content of thoughts about past events or anticipated future events uh, or other things that are of interest to us. And that's an amazing aspect of being human. It's not a problem. But, and there are no doubt good evolutionary reasons why we're that way. But we can get in the habit of being distracted so that we're completely ignoring the currently available experience. We can connect with any type of experience, even with emotions and thoughts. To do it with emotions and thoughts, we attend to the fact that the emotion or thought is taking place or is present, as well as the feel that may be associated with the emotion in our bodies, in addition to the content. Emotions usually have physical sensations upon which we can focus, whereas thoughts may not have any discernible associated bodily component, and moreover, they are very fast and fleeting. Even with sensations, some are easier than others. Uh, Some sensations or perceptions come already preloaded, as it were, with thoughts, which make them more difficult with which to connect directly, because we tend to get those thought streams triggered right away. Before practicing with emotions and thoughts, it is a good idea to get a foothold in mindfulness by practicing first with the body sensations. This foothold is concentration. And this is what we primarily have been practicing today on this retreat. Mindfulness generally is not connected or not characterized by keeping just one type of object in mind. Rather, mindfulness practice works to develop the mental habit, the skill of remembering to connect no matter what is happening, no matter what. One learns to remember to connect with one experience as it unfolds, even when it's fast and fleeting. This most certainly is a skill that we can develop and bring into our ordinary lives. To develop this general habit, it is useful to practice by working with some of the easier objects, keeping a special focus on some of them as we've been doing. It also helps to simplify our situation radically, precisely as we have done in the creation of this community in this retreat center. The precepts, the silence, all work towards this end. When we establish deeper concentration, we begin to know firsthand the value of the simplicity of mind as an end in itself. As distracted mental habits lose some of their power, the mind naturally calms down. And when the mind calms down, we naturally experience a sense of inherent well-being peace, tranquility. There can be subtle mental and physical pleasures arising simply out of awareness. Concentration, like mindfulness, is not something that's foreign to ordinary experience. Uh, One has to concentrate to some extent to hear and process my words. One has to have some sort of focus to be able to find one's shoes later. When we practice concentration, we use a neutral focus. Um, By neutral, we mean not very pleasurable or painful. Neutral objects are like the dog when it's neither especially cute nor annoying. It's like a sort of boring dog. The physical sensations associated with the breath tend to be neutral for many people, as do ambient sounds that one can hear in many situations. And there are many other neutral processes that can be used. It turns out that as human beings, connecting with and sustaining the connection with neutral objects of awareness 
gives rise to calming down, to tranquility, to peace. It's a quite amazing fact about human beings that the central nervous system, whatever is involved in awareness and in attention, is such that when we do turn our attention to neutral objects and just rest there, sustain the attention, make the effort to do that, the mind naturally calms down without any other extra effort. This is an astoundingly simple yet powerful activity for us. Finding a suitable neutral focus and keeping the attention there as well as we can. Period. Not perfectly, not all or nothing, but doing it. When the connection is lost, one notices this fact, gently yet definitely reconnects again and again, sustaining the attention in a simple way. It takes some effort to do this because of those distracted mental habits. We might really be coming back a hundred times in one sitting, as Will mentioned this morning gone and back. It's quite, it's funny. It's really interesting. The minds are so interesting. Just like, it sounds like it might be easy just to observe the breath. Okay, duh, breath. It could could be easier. It's probably, it sounds easier than watching a dog. But we just have habits of mind that, that take off. It's fascinating. We're not fighting those habits directly. There's a lot of momentum there. We're not going to struggle with that momentum of thought. Um, The effort we make is more subtle than struggle. We easily can try too hard because we're used to struggling when we encounter something difficult. We also might struggle a bit to just to make things more interesting since the neutral objects are indeed neutral. They're not extremely exciting, at least at first glance. So in moment-to-moment practice, we have to make enough effort, yet without overdoing it. For in trying too hard, we will overshoot the object, as it were. So if we notice, hey, I might be trying a bit too hard, we back off a little bit, but without stopping. And that's where we get some versatility, some uh, skill. Uh, It's not an all or nothing choice. Uh, The Buddha talks about balanced effort. And he talked about tuning a guitar, for instance, getting the strings not too tight, not too loose. I like the image of holding an egg. For some reason, I want to hold an egg in my hand raw egg, then I need to hold it somewhat tight, but it clearly would be counterproductive to hold it too tight because I would break it. So making balanced effort is kind of finding that uh, middle ground. I was uh, mountain climbing, well, that's, I was, we drove a car to the top of a mountain. <laughs> okay, wise speech. We drove a car to the top of a mountain, and it was this old, old fire ranger lookout that, uh, in case you don't know this, I didn't know it a couple of weeks ago, we Googled, and you can rent them now because they're not using them to look for fires. And so there are these little small cabins on tops of mountains with windows. So we, and it was beautiful. Uh, Went to one in northern Idaho and one in Montana. And the first uh, one we went to, I I don't know if it was the altitude from climbing so high or what, (laughs) but I got sick the next day. And I was just devastated. Uh, It felt it was a very interesting experience. 
And um, I was with a friend who's a very good Scrabble player. She's really difficult to beat. I don't know anyone who's beat her at Scrabble. And so I'm out of it completely. And, but we end up playing Scrabble that night. And I'm honestly just like so tired and weak that I'm just doing my best to find some word. <laughs> I don't care how many, you know how to play Scrabble. I don't care how many points it is. I just don't want to embarrass myself by not being able to make one word. <laughs> and that's my honest approach. Just try to stay awake, find one word. And out of that tiredness, you know, I wasn't trying very hard to win the game. I began seeing these amazing words. And I almost beat her. In fact, I would have beat her if I didn't make a couple of stupid moves at the end when I kind of woke up thinking I might win. <laughs> it was a really interesting experience because it seems as though when I play with my normal consciousness, there, it can be an element of trying too hard or being too eager or not waiting long enough to see something better. Uh, that was the experience, and that's why I mentioned it here. I don't know if it was relevant. <laughs> it, when making effort, connecting with neutral objects, we learn from experience. There's no hope of having a machine or a teacher kind of monitoring how much effort you're making from, the, from some perspective and just giving you a little shock if you need to work harder. That's <laughs> silly. Uh, we learn by experience. Um, we learn by doing it. Where people may get stuck is not making enough effort uh, so as to actually set aside the time and space to give this sort of thing a try. One actually needs a fairly quiet space, free of most external distractions. One needs to decide that one is going to try to do it for a while. Actually clearing the schedule and doing it may require a lot of determination, even courage, because the normal distracted mind creatively will uh, fight for its right to party. <laughs> uh, the normal mind is almost insulted by the simplicity of what we're doing here. So somehow we've all arrived here one way or another. We're in a really good situation for this exploration. Um, the conditions are actually really good here. They're good enough for sure. As Will said last night, it's a unique and radical space. The precepts are very relevant to the calming of the mind. Just knowing that we're in a space where we respect these simple precepts, not harming ourselves and others, having that orientation and trusting others to be doing it too pretty well. Um, allowing ourselves to enter fully into this experience without holding back. It can be a very practical thing, simply showing up uh, to the sitting, even when one isn't inclined to, or showing up in the, in the way that really is authentic for you, whatever that might mean. The silence is a part of it. Um, it may make sense to you. Um, the idea, for instance, of not reading, there's a question about that this morning. Uh, the idea there is that in the context of this radical exploration, we want to give ourselves every opportunity to let the mind find its own comfort. And so really kind of letting it rely on itself. And so even in breaks, not necessarily resorting to the sort of habitual forms of 
stimulation and entertainment and so forth, but just even in the breaks, letting it be a somewhat more relaxed, but still an opportunity to connect with the simple, neutral breath, body sensations, and so forth. Concentration is a skill that is essential for mindfulness because we need to be able to cut through distracted mental habits if we are going to remember to connect with our current experience rather than continuing to operate on a sort of automatic pilot. Even though we don't fight the momentum of thoughts, all the same we can be skillful about these streams of thoughts that arise. We don't have to be lost We don't have to live on automatic pilot in a sort of distracted way. There's some methods for dealing with thoughts, working with them, and we've been doing them. So one would be, if you notice a pattern of thought that keeps arising, you can just consciously redirect. And this is part of the method we've been practicing already. We notice a thought, we notice that we have Uh, been engaged in daydreaming and ruminating about something. Noticing that, it can be useful just to label it, thinking. It's a quiet thought itself, thinking. And then redirecting the attention back. Another skillful method is replacing the thoughts. The loving kindness or the metta practice is something like that where we're actually using thoughts as part of the practice. So we're replacing in the mind trainings of loving kindness and others, uh, creating, cultivating compassion, uh, cultivating a sense of joy in other people's happiness, and so forth. We can actually use thoughts, replace the streams of thoughts with other thoughts, just consciously doing that. Another way to deal with these streams of thoughts can be simply relaxing the thought formation, just noticing it and letting it go. Sometimes that will work. So we're connecting and sustaining attention with very simple objects. The feel of the breath, the feel of the feet, the feel of the hands. And on a retreat, we also have the opportunity to practice in a sustained way throughout the entire day, throughout the entire period of being awake. The idea of a break is somewhat irrelevant here. We rest for sure. We definitely rest and we enjoy the resting and so forth. But the idea of a break I would encourage you, if you wish, to kind of explore the idea that we're actually not taking breaks. And so when you're resting, just you're not going to summon a lot of effort to maybe stay with the breath, but actually in lying down to rest, there's a lot going on in the body to connect with. And our minds can start getting active too. And it's like, oh, great, I can rest now, and then our minds just take off. So there can be room there for noticing that and practicing in a very subtle, playful, resting way of just, okay, what is my body feeling like right now? Rather than just going with all those thoughts. So it's not, it's going to be different. Like in the sitting, it's a bit strenuous physically, even in a chair, just being here. You know, the structure is is hard work. So even in those simple moments of resting, we can maintain the continuity of the practice. And likewise, in, in moving around this magnificent land and in eating, in doing everything we do, we can stay connected, we can remember to stay connected, we can practice mindfulness. So connecting with neutral objects naturally deepens concentration. Uh, 
in the bigger picture, um, and I'll just say a little bit about this now, and we'll talk about it later this week. Um, we want to use the concentration to connect with whatever presents itself in our experience. And with practice, this definitely can be done, even with distracting mental habits themselves. Suppose that I'm trying to stay with the breath, and then I notice that I have some fear about something. If we were only practicing concentration, then we might slightly recognize that fear, but then just come back, no ifs, ands, or buts, to the breath. In the wider mindfulness practice, we take an interest in that fear. We take the opportunity for a moment to feel into that emotion, to find where it happens in the body, if we can find a place. Um, Feeling into the fear is quite different from merely thinking about it. There may very well be sensations of tightness, heaviness, or turbulence of some sort in my chest, or my abdomen, or my neck, or elsewhere. We can connect with those sensations, give them priority for a few moments. We can even learn to stay connected with extremely difficult and painful emotions. There's so much here to explore in deepening our relationship with our own experience. Letting go of a sort of obsession with pleasure. Accepting the reality of pain in our lives as a normal part of human life. So that pain doesn't mean that something is wrong with me. It's a normal part of being human. It's a normal part of having a body. In the flow of experience, there's some of it we like, some of it we do not like. And we can connect with these feelings of pain and pleasure, liking and disliking. There are plenty of things that happen that we do not like, that we wish were different. It's okay to dislike things. It's a normal part of the mind. We can become more and more aware of this sort of thing, of pain. We can develop a capacity to appreciate that there's nothing wrong with me. I have a painful emotion or painful memory. And likewise, with more mundane sorts of difficulties like those we've experienced today, as Will said this morning, drowsiness, restlessness, they're difficult, but in the context of, of our practice, it's not a problem. We don't like it. It is difficult, uh, but we can summon the courage to connect even with those states, simply to know that they're there without getting obsessed. Again, just noting, connecting with something neutral, the breath. So we'll talk about this more as we go into the week. With practice, we can become more and more aware of our desires and intentions. We can see how they are forming and leading to actions. We can notice that a certain desire is arising and leading to a type of action. And moreover, that that action tends to have certain types of effects. So we can bring mindfulness into a broader frame of our lives. If we remember to notice this, we also can become better at remembering to ask about an intention? Is it skillful? Is it really what I want to do? And this is the source of ethics in, from a Buddhist perspective. It's the actual attention to our experience and to the effects of 
the decisions and the actions that we undertake. It's a part of mindfulness practice. Just be paying attention there. Uh, and so just as we can notice what happens in a certain sitting, when we make a certain amount of effort, we learn from our experience. Likewise, in a broader perspective, we can bring this same attention to patterns of actions and effects. In this way, we have a much better opportunity of actually figuring out what we want. Since mindfulness is hard work, and this work involves connecting with objects and states, it can be easy to assume that our goal might be to find some special object or state, some experience. But the game here is more subtle. We don't really want to get fixated on objects of awareness or states, even though we're working hard to stay connected. In the bigger picture, uh, it's not so much some special experience as a freedom to connect with what is happening as it happens, no matter what. The nature of freedom might be surprising. We don't need to have too many ideas about it in advance. The general idea is that the mind itself can deepen. We can drop patterns that result in suffering. About my own practice, I would say the essential thing is developing the quality of mind and heart that is free, that is not stuck in patterns or habits of greed and anger or make-believe. That's not stuck with some sense of my own solidity or separate importance. In the Buddhist teachings, I would say this is the main point. He emphasizes that developing concentration is an important foundation for the freedom. But it's the unraveling of patterns of habits, whether they're conditioned or instinctual, that result in suffering. And so even as we recognize that pain is a normal part of life, there's also that secondary suffering that comes because of our relationship to pain. And the Buddha and Buddhists generally are extremely optimistic about the capacity of the normal human mind to live without suffering. The mind can shift to not struggling. It's a natural shift. We don't have to manufacture it. And I think in this is the territory where the Shambhala warrior that Deborah talked about, where wisdom and compassion emerge. Um, there's a line that I think uh, is attributed to the Buddha. I can't find it, but I've, for years I've been saying that the Buddha said it. So for now, kindness is the freedom of the heart. It glows, it shines, it blazes forth. Kindness. So finally, 
even as we connect with our own experience more fully, we may learn that we um, can connect with others more fully as well. Some of our mental habits keep us isolated from others in ways that may not be necessary. And this is a big part of this retreat also, this attention to relational mindfulness. I know this might sound odd, given the noble silence and the kind of the structure that we've set up. And it might, you might have felt that today after meeting people yesterday who seemed kind of interesting and like-minded, and then suddenly going into this intensively solitary structure. Uh, but in sharing this magnificent space, we actually are doing something that is already highly social. Simply sitting here in silence requires a great deal of trust. First of all, it's not a trivial activity for animals. Imagine a room full of chimps. (laughs) Be really different. Not to denigrate the chimps. But it's just, as human beings, we have the capacity to sit with each other in silence and respect that. And that means that fear is already abated quite a lot. We are supportive to each other. We can know that even though we don't know the details about exactly what is going on for others, we may not most cases we would not know, we still can know that a lot is going on for each other, all the ups and downs. We can know, Dory was saying something recently, a couple hours ago. You know, in, a, in this context, we can know that, you know, at any given time, some of us are, are really enjoying it and that it's blissful and quiet and peaceful, it's pleasurable, and we can be appreciative of that. At any given time, uh, some of us are in trouble. It's difficult. At any given time, someone is sleepy, someone's restless. So part of being here together, even in the silence, is sharing all of that. Uh, So we support each other just by showing up. And and then, in case you didn't know, near the end of the week, Saturday, we will uh, have the opportunities to spend some time practicing uh, some interactive relational mindfulness uh, together. But for now, the conditions are really good for diving deeply into the simplicity of connecting with our own experience. I really appreciate all the efforts you've made today and uh, encourage you to keep it up. Thank you. Let's sit for a couple minutes.
May all beings live in peace. May all beings live in harmony. May all beings live in peace and harmony. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.